proof that anyone can have a sports show. Wow. <laughs> Electric booyah bass right from Jump Street. Adam Crowley. What's up, players? On ESPN Pittsburgh. I've said for years that I'm not a journalist. I've said it since I got here to iHeart, to ESPN Pittsburgh. That's how I started my 10 to noon show. I started with a monologue saying I'm not a journalist. I'm not a stat guy. I'm not Stan. I'm not David Todd. I don't do what they do. I can't do what they do. And you can determine whether or not that's what you like or what you don't like. But always I've said I'm not journalist because I'm not why lie to you but today is one of the few days where I'm gonna have to use my journalism chops today's one of the days where I'm gonna have to go back to college and remember writing for the newspaper I'm gonna have to go back to college and remember reporting things for the radio station newsy things not just opinion things actual reporting and today's the kind of day where I have to put my journalism antenna up so, just to recap, my thoughts on the Dayon Kovacevic, DKPittsburghSports.com, deadspin situation and story. Nothing in that article proves anything. It doesn't. I am an advocate for women. I think that the Me Too movement is something that's been a long time coming, and I'm happy that it's here. Uh, I have friends in Morgantown that have been dealing with things at their radio station along these same lines. A good friend of mine was somebody who was accused. Whose side do you think that I took? I took the side of the accusers. I think that you need to give women the benefit of the doubt, and this circumstance is no different to me. But I feel obligated to tell you that I don't see a smoking gun here. At least not yet. The text message that was supposedly sent to somebody that Dayon wanted to work for them has not been given to the public. In fact, the woman who said that she had the text was not able to produce it. Her only evidence was that she had somebody in the car with her that saw the text when she was so appalled for receiving the text. Would I put it past any man in a position of power to offer something like that? Absolutely I would not. Men are pigs. Humans are pigs. There are a lot of bad people out there. That's just a reality. Is Dayon one of them? I don't know. What I do know is that he's a bad boss, because I've heard that from people that I am very close with that are credible. That's what my journalism chops tell me. Dayon's a bad boss. If you listen to this audio that Dayon had on his website when he was talking with Josh Yowie, it also tells me he's not exactly a friend of the women, or at least in the way he thinks of women. Mm -hmm. But they had to make the address code go across the board here, and it was an attempt, really obvious. Uh, I remember seeing someone from the Cincinnati Reds, uh, uh, Rob Butcher, their longtime media relations man, Mm -hmm. excellent human being. Uh, He saw a couple of people who were Pittsburgh reporters, female, who went into the Reds' room looking like, you know. Sure. Okay, and he just went in there and said, who are you with? What are you doing? And they were like, well, we're here to help out so-and-so cameraman. And he went, out. Right. Because he didn't want to, 
he's got 25 dudes in there and he doesn't want to risk anything sure. happening. And these are the things that happen in the world of media in 2017. Come on, Josh. You're better than that. Josh is a good dude. Known Josh for a long time. I'm sure that some out there think Josh is a little bit vindictive because they think maybe Josh is one of the sources here, and he is. I would tend to agree that maybe Josh went a little too far, as did another friend of mine, Mark Caboli, that they kind of seem like high school kids in all of this, at least as far as the bad boss stuff goes. As far as the mistreatment of women, there can't be enough people who say things. Uh, if a woman is being mistreated, if anybody's being mistreated, speak up. And if that was their greater purpose here, then good. If it's just about getting back at a guy, then not good. And again, I'm being 100% honest here, and this is just coming out as I go. There are no notes. This all came up during my show. I, again, don't see any proof in this Deadspin story. Again, in this Deadspin story, I don't think that there's enough meat to have been published in any other outlet other than Deadspin or The Dirty or other such websites. That being said, what I do know is, you just heard the audio there, what I do know is that Sarah Sivian believes that she was treated poorly. What I do know is that the woman who was supposedly offered a threesome for a job in 2014 was appalled. We know that these women feel that way. We don't have proof that these things happen, but we do know that they feel that way. And we've got the audio that I just played. All that paints a pretty bad picture of a dude. I suppose then I should go on further to talk about the people that I care about at DKPittsburghSports.com, who I know to be good people. Dale Lolly, family man. He's got kids. Kids who he very much cares about. Dale is fiercely loyal. Dale's one of the good people out there. So is Chris Bradford. Lance Lysowski somebody that I have grown very fond of. Matt Geica, a nice human being. Audrey Snyder's been tremendous every time I've interacted with her. Chris Mueller, now that he's gone, is somebody that still, when he worked there, is a guy that I respected. I even let him stay over in my room at training camp so he could get a little blitzed. These are all people I care about. These are all people I don't want to see anything bad happen to. So whether or not you want to subscribe to DK or not is your decision. But just know that if he is the monster he's being portrayed to be, doesn't mean that everybody who works with him is. And it doesn't mean they should be treated as such. Again, those are all great people. And I'll speak specifically with D uh, for Dale. Not for him, I suppose, but on his behalf, I suppose. Dale and I don't agree with anything politically. We are 20 years apart in age. He's one of my best friends. He's a good guy. He's met my wife. I've met his wife. I care about his wife. I care about his family. Not that I'm offering up a threesome or anything. That was an easy joke, and I apologize for having made it. All I got to say is don't punish all of them for the actions of one man. 412-922-2874. Tweet me at underscore Adam Crowley. I was going off there on this poetic, prophetic diatribe. 
But the real Crowley slipped in there for a second. You had to get the threesome joke in there. Nice. Obvi- obviously, again, if this was something that was put on the table, it is deplorable. On the hockey, and Vince Cominal, my God, you come in at a an interesting time, yes? Yes, I have. I've uh, been following along with what you're talking about. I'm just trying to be honest here, too. Uh, I, 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 There's so many people who already coming into this had... They had their agenda, right? So people who were on DK's side, the lunatics, right? The quote-unquote lunatics. Those people, they were all going to have his side no matter what. Right. Yeah, it's... I don't know. It's a tough spot. I mean, I, I've been hearing about this Deadspin article for, you know, more than a month now. No kidding. <laughs> it, you know, it finally came out. And honestly, there's not anything surprising in here that, that I didn't know about. But, um, you know, I, I, I'm not involved with that in any way um but what i read is nothing surprising or nothing that i didn't already hear about or know about well in so. in the thing vince and vince commonal of course pointed pittsburgh longtime penguins writer a friend of the show friend in real life i think too vince i would, I would agree with that i would uh, damn right uh i would say reading the deadspin article nothing can be proven Right. Uh, there, there, there's nothing there that's certainly concrete, but the the things that are alleged are awful, and I, I suppose people are going to have to come down one way or another and believe what they want to believe. Let's just move on. We'll get to this again later on in the show, uh, in the 6 o'clock hour. But the Penguins, I think, aren't just in a position to make the playoffs, Vince. I think the Penguins are in a position to make noise if they get into the playoffs. And that thought only really occurred to me for the first time the other day when I looked at the standings and I thought, the Penguins got the two or the three. What teams would they be playing? And it's Columbus, which I would put as the number one threat because I still like their roster. But then it's Philadelphia, who's playing well now, but it's the Rangers who are banged up and I thought were kind of playing over their heads to begin with. It's New Jersey, who clearly, in my mind, is playing over their heads. Yes. It's the Islanders, who just are, eh. If the Penguins get in, and I think that they will, I'm not in the guarantee business, but I almost guarantee that they win a series. Yeah, I think that when you look at the standings right now, they match up well with most of the teams that are in the playoffs, except for... You know, if they get that eighth seed, they match up with uh, Tampa Bay in the first round. I don't like that that tough of a series in the first round. Um, but like you said, the Islanders, Rangers, even the Blue Jackets, I think the Penguins are in the Blue Jackets' heads, even though it's a Good tough point. matchup for them. I think that, uh, especially in Bobrovsky's head, he just seems to fall apart when he plays the Penguins. So, yeah, I think that they're they're actually coming around now, and this is the best hockey they've played, even though they lost 2-3 or three on the West Coast. I think they played well in all of those games. That's a trust-the-process kind of thing, right? Exactly. Like, they look good. They just happen to lose. Right. And, you know, I mean, don't get me wrong, Casey Dismiss has been really good in the games that he started, but he is their third-string goalie, and they're, they're winning games with their third-string goalie right now. So, you know, after the All-Star break, you get Matt, Matt Murray back in there. Um, you get some semblance of a normal lineup starting to play and i think that you'll see this team up they're not going to win the conference at this point and history has shown that they don't really need to win the conference. no absolutely not especially if washington's going to win it you play them in the second round right so yeah i think the team's uh rounding rounding into shape here i think that uh history has shown that the regular season doesn't really mean that all that much to the penguins as long as they just get into the playoffs 
And again, as long as as long as they don't get that eight seed and have to play Tampa in the first round, I think that uh, any matchup is a favorable favorable one for them. I realize I'm looking down the road and we're kind of zooming out, but I do want to stay with this for a little bit before we get to the nitty gritty. We've got you for another 49 minutes here, so we're gonna we're gonna squeeze everything we can out of good old Vince Communal here. There's a difference to me between playing a team that you think's better than you in the first round or the conference final. If the Penguins are to beat whomever they play in the first round and beat, let's say, Washington in the second round, it's a team playing with confidence. It's a team that hasn't lost a playoff series in now two-plus years. That'll be ten, ten straight playoff series wins. They'd then be, let's say, taking on Tampa Bay, who I do think is a better hockey club, at least right now. We'll see what moves the Penguins make. You play them then, and all of a sudden it's, if you're Tampa, huh, this is not who we wanted to face. Right. And if it's Pittsburgh, it's, why would we believe that we can lose? We haven't lost. We're going to beat these guys. I don't care how good they are. We're going to beat them anyhow. You play them in the first round, maybe that's different a little bit. I agree 100% with that. And even Tampa Bay, for how good they've been this season, the last few games that they've played, they've kind of looked a, a little human. Vasilevsky, he's given up a lot of goals recently. Um, I think they lost to uh, was it Chicago last week. And they, they've looked human. I mean, don't get me wrong. They're still very good, and there's a reason that they have five of their players in the All-Star game. It's not just because it's in Tampa Bay. It's because they have really good players. But, yeah, first round, I think Tampa's going to go in feeling real good about themselves, and they're going to be playing off adrenaline. But, like you said, they get to that third round and they see Pittsburgh there. Pittsburgh, this will be the third year in a row in the conference final. Of course, this is all hypothetical. Sure. But, yeah, it's different. Exactly what you said. The first round versus third round, it's different. Let's kind of go team by team. I'm... For lack of a better phrase, I'm horny for some hockey right now, my man. And I kind of want to go to the nitty-gritty nice. on, on all these teams that the Penguins could wind up facing come the playoff time and what they've got to offer leading up to that point because there's about 30-so-odd games left in the season. Uh, what can these teams do to get into the playoffs and what can these teams do when they are in the playoffs? We'll just go in order of the standings right now. New Jersey, to me, is a year early. And they've really slipped back to the pack. Uh, they've won two of their last ten games. They've got now a goal differential of plus one, whereas they were really up there beginning in the and season. And Corey Snyder's hurt now. And that is a huge problem. I think that uh, good story. I think they're going to actually fall out of the uh, playoff race. They do have a lot of good young talent. I think they'll be a playoff team next year, and I think that they'll be at the top of the Eastern Conference within the next few years. But for right now, I think that they're just a good story. You know, you, you knew that Brian Gibbons and uh, players like that weren't going to sustain the, the uh, level of play that they were at. And uh, they're, they've, they're, they've like you said, they've fallen back to the pack, and I think they're actually going to fall out of the playoff race. I would agree with that. If I had to make a bet on the two teams that I think aren't going to be around, that's the one that I'm saying is not going to be there. And then this next team's also, in my opinion, not going to be there, albeit they've been playing good hockey lately. Philadelphia, to me, very flawed. Yeah, I think that they they just got on a little bit of a hot streak. They they were on it. The same thing happened to them last year. They won 10 in a row, they then did. they lost 10 in a row. Uh, their goaltending is average at best. Um, they do have some young, good young players. Um, Connectedy is a good player. Gostas Bear is a good player. I think some of their core players are getting a little bit older. Shrew's playing well. Yeah, I mean, Wayne Simmons is getting older. Um, 
though I would love to see him in a Penguins uniform, but that's oh, another topic for another day. That's that's your Hornquist replacement, right? Yes. If Hornquist walks out the door? Well, I'd like to see him on one line and Hornquist on oh. another line, but, oh. <laughs> but I digress. Um, Man can dream. Yeah, I, I think that uh, their goaltending is very suspect. I think that their bottom six is very weak. Um, I, I just don't uh, I don't see them as a playoff team. If they do get in, they're definitely going to be like the A seed. I don't, I don't see them as uh, much of a threat. They'd probably lose in the first round if they did get in. The Rangers, to me, are, again, a, a team. Now, now that I think about it, the Metro's kind of fallen off the cliff. Yeah. Uh, they're banged up. I mean, Kreider's now out. Uh, Shattenkirk, for as flawed of a player as I believe he to be, he is a really good power play player, and they are going to miss him at least for that, and he eats minutes. So that's a team, Vince, that I look at and think the Penguins would have their way with, and that's a team that would at the very best get into that wild card range. Boy, they're having a rough road trip right now. They're out west. Uh, they're in San Jose tonight. They're... Um... They're only averaging a little over two goals a game right now, the Rangers. They're just, uh, I think Lundqvist is starting to show his age a little bit. Uh, all the years of wear and tear is starting to catch up to them. Uh, like you said, Shattenkirk, he's uh, he's out for, I think it was four to six weeks. I, I just don't see them as a playoff team either. Again, if they do get in, they'd be the eighth seed. I think you what you might see is um, Carolina is a team that's, got a lot of talent and I, I think that they could actually sneak up and take that eighth eighth uh, playoff seed and <laughs> the penguins might not want to see carolina in the first round they played them real tough this year they did they just really beat them have. in their last game but man carolina's given them uh, fits over the, the course of this season um and i know peters the coach just came out uh it was either today or yesterday i saw the quotes today and he said the playoffs start now for us we have to take every shift as if it's a playoff shift and They've got talent, and in fact, if that was the team that, that wound up with the eight seed and they played Tampa, I'm not saying they'd beat Tampa, but that'd be an entertaining series. It would be. They have they, they like to play um, a fast game. They, they kind of are modeled after the Penguins a little bit. Um, the, the thing that didn't work out for them is they went out and got uh, the backup goalie from Chicago, who's named, oh, Darling, who, and they thought that he was going to kind of take over for Cam Ward, and he's actually been pretty terrible, and Ward has actually been playing just as many games as ever. So, you know, with them, that might be a, a concern where Ward has just played so many games and he's, he's you know, he's an older guy. Uh, but they do have a, good, a lot of good young talent uh, with Ajo and Skinner and uh, Falk on the blue line. So, you know, if they snuck in, th- that could be a tough uh, matchup for the Penguins if they got the, uh, you know, if it was like a two-versus-seven type right. of deal. But uh, we shall see. But uh, the Rangers... Yeah, I think if they got in and the Penguins played them, that would be a quick you know, five-game series. And that's another team that I think the Penguins at this point kind of have the mental edge over. Certainly Lundqvist. Lundqvist has been playing really good hockey, mm-hmm. uh, and every time the Penguins play him, the guy stinks. And and that was that's a total flip from the way it had been prior to the last couple of seasons. Last team before we get into more of the nitty-gritty on the Penguins themselves, the Islanders, Again, they don't they don't scare me. They they probably will be a playoff team, but I'd agree. They they're, they're, they're better than Philly, they're better than New Jersey. Yeah, they're a funny team. They they score right now as of today, they have the third most goals in the league, uh goals per game, I should say, but they give up the most goals per game. So if they, if they're going to get in a shootout with the Penguins, the Penguins are going to win that every time. They do have a lot of good young talent. They have, you know, Anders Lee, they have Josh Bailey, they have uh 
they have Tavares, obviously. They have uh, great blue liners in, uh, Letty, with Letty back there. But their goaltending's terrible. Uh, and you can't get into a playoff series and expect to outscore teams. In the playoffs, it's all about defense and close close games. And if you're expecting to win a playoff game, you know, 5-4, to 6-3, to three, something like that, it's just not going to happen. No, not ideal, certainly. And you mentioned that they score a lot. They've scored as many goals as Tampa. They've given up 55 goals more, which... Uh, over 55 or so games, 50 or so games. That's a lot. Coming up next, Casey DeSmith getting the start tonight. I find the Penguins' goaltending situation incredibly interesting. We'll talk about that. And five on five. The hell can they do? And are they kind of figuring it out? It's Adam Crowley. It's Vince Commonwealth. It's the Crowley Show on ESPN Pittsburgh and iHeartRadio. Pittsburgh Penguins will not lose tonight because they have the greatest goaltender in the history of the world starting. That, of course, Casey DeSmith. Breaking news here on Casey DeSmith, by the way. My really good friend Amanda thinks that he's higher than Crystal Tang. Wow, that's a bold statement. That is huge. I told this story before about Crystal Tang. My father was in the hospital last year, and we were going in to visit him, and Crystal Tang was in the lobby. And I wasn't paying attention. I was worried. My dad's in the damn hospital. My wife and I walk past him, and I see her look a man up and down like I've never seen her look a man up and down before. And I was like, babe, what the hell was that? She goes, that's Chris Letang. I said, okay, look ahead. Look away, look away, look away. That's fine. You can look at that guy. That's okay. So he's hot. So I think Amanda's kind of smoking something, but I suppose to each their own. In reality, he's not just hot physically, but he's been very hot for the Penguins in yes, that he he's played in four straight games played very well well tonight he's been more than i think anybody could have had the right to expect from a guy like him yeah i was surprised to see him get the the second start after he got the first start i thought well they'd just put jari back in and that would be that but he played well enough to earn that start so i didn't think too much of it but um to start the fourth straight game it's a little surprising and it almost makes me wonder if the penguins are playing him to maybe showcase him a little bit for a trade now Trading him solely is not going to get you much, but packaging him up with, you know, Ian Cole or, you know, Brian Russ, Connor right? Sherry, you never know. I Don't mean, touch my Rusty, by the way. <laughs> That's one guy I'm not letting go. Yeah, I, I think that he has, you know, Rust would be hard to part with. I think he has a lot of uh, different skill sets that the uh, that the Penguins like, that he the coaching staff like. He anywhere up and down yeah. the lineup. He has no problem playing on that fourth line. You saw that fourth line with a goal last game. I think Rust has great speed. Um you know, if I had to choose between Sherry or Rust, I'd probably say Sherry would be the one that I would trade. That he's been playing well recently, also. So, uh, but uh, you know, it, it more than likely I'm reading too much into it, and they're just playing the hot hand at goaltender. But it is it is odd that basically they're playing their third string goalie for a fourth straight game. It is, and I understand the Matt Murray situation. <laughs> What's odd to me, and maybe not odd, but it's at least interesting to me. And I brought this up on the show yesterday. Is the last couple of years, we've kind of subscribed to this notion that Mike Sullivan has his favorites, right? Yes. And that Matt Murray was his guy, and he was going to play him over Marc-Andre Fleury if both were healthy. But now I see it as they thought Murray would give him a spark. When they put him in, he played well, Then you play the hot hand. That seems to be more of now the M.O. for Mike Sullivan is, if you're, if you're the best guy, we can't be giving away points now, so we're going to play you. Yes. 
I think that being said, though, I think you'll see Murray back in there after, oh, the, All-Star, the, guy. after yeah. the All-Star break. You'll see Murray back in there. I think that they're just kind of saying to Matt Murray, hey, you know, take your time with this. Uh, let's give you until after the All-Star break and then get you back in there. Uh, <laughs> there's no doubt you'll see uh, Murray in there when they play uh, Vegas on February 6th against uh, Murray, the Murray-Flurry matchup. But, uh, yeah, I mean – it's hard to argue with the results with the Smith. I mean, even even though he lost that uh, the the first game that he played, I thought he played really well. I mean, I think it was a two to one game. He only gave him up one goal, and he looks solid in there. He he looks just like Jari. I mean, I've never seen two rookie goaltenders. Well, besides Matt Murray winning two Stanley Cups, just look so confident and so you know just technically sound in in net. And I I, I guess it's a, you could attribute that to the Penguins goaltending coach. Um, I th- I think that Buckley. Yeah, he's been. He's been with uh, DeSmith since uh, Wheeling, so <laughs> which it's it's shocking to see a guy come up from Wheeling and play play in the NHL uh, less than a year later. But uh, I mean, riding the hot hand right now, I think that's what it is. And I think, like you said, they needed they need the points right now. They they need all the points they could get, and DeSmith hasn't really failed them. So keep on going with them. I think your point about Buckley's a good one. Just think about how different the goalies are. I mean, Jari and Murray are similar, I suppose, in build. What's Murray 6'4", Jari 6'2". Mm-hmm. This is a little guy. Uh, he, he's more of a Matt Murray type guy. You look around the league now, and, and most teams it's in vogue to have these big players, but he's been technically sound, and I think he is the guy that you would move. Maybe, though, because Tristan Jari would probably be able to fetch the most. Uh, I'm interested, though, that they've got them now, and I think it's obviously been something that the last two years has helped the Penguins win the Stanley Cup. So I wonder if Jim Rutherford does want to part with any of them because he's been so stubborn in the past just because it's helped them win a couple of Cups. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, we saw in the first Stanley Cup run that they actually needed three goaltenders in that run. Uh, Jeff, right. Jeff Zakoff started the playoffs and actually won them a game. So, in well, a game that he had, I mean, he had to play well for them to win. I think he had like thirty-seven saves or something. Yeah, he did, and he played well. Um, I think he actually uh, just uh, signed with the Blue Jackets or was traded to the Blue Jackets, which is oh no, I didn't realize he was still in the league. But yeah, I mean, I think that the. Rutherford has very got his hands tied as far as pieces that he can move. Uh, I mean, short of trading, you know, Daniel Sprong, which I I know that the coaching staff isn't happy with the way Sprong played, you know, especially defensively. But I think that they would they would grow to regret uh, trading him. That'd be almost like the uh, Marcus Naslin trade all over again. That's a really good point. I'm I'm kind of on the opposite side there, although I hadn't considered that. I don't want to see Sprong move. But I wouldn't mind it if it did finally yield them that third-line center, and you don't technically then have to subtract somebody from your current roster, right? Mm-hmm. You get to insert that third-line center. The trickle-down of the fourth line is going to be great because Riley Shane's going to be there, and you don't have to get rid of someone. So I'd be okay with it, maybe even more than okay with it. That being said, that guy's going to be great. He is, and that's the problem. The, the Penguins at the – AHL level don't really have any pure goal scorers like Sprong. I mean, Sprong is it. I mean, Aston Reese, he's going to score some goals, but he's not, the, you know, the the uh, sniper that that Sprong is. Right. So, you know, if Rutherford is going to deal Sprong, he better be real sure that he's getting a, a good return because uh, sure. that could be something that they regret for years to come. I tease going into the break that. 
the Penguins have struggled five on five. They've been really good everywhere else. The goaltending's really got up to speed. Mm-hmm. PK's been insanely good. Very good. The power play's been very good. You look at Crosby's production, you look at Kessel's production, you look at Malkin's production. A lot of it's come from the power play, which I suppose shouldn't be all that surprising, but they've been very good. The issue has been the five-on-five play. It was refreshing to see that they scored three five-on-five goals the other night. I like Ryan Reeves more than I ever thought that I would. It pains me as a, a, one of those, these new school hockey dweebs, right? But that being said, you put Brian Rust on that fourth line, you're a better hockey club. You just are. Yeah, I think that we finally got to the point now where... And I, I'm with you. I think Ryan Reeves has been perfectly fine for his role. And in I th- fact, I think he's played better lately, too. Yeah, I do, too. I don't think he's a liability at all. I think sometimes he gets called for penalties just because he's Ryan Reeves. I think he gets knocked down a little easy, too, for his size. Yeah. It's been I mean, weird, weird to see. It's been a knock on him for a lot of his career that he's not the greatest skater right. in the world. But um, I, I think that... Uh, I think he's been what we expected of him. I don't think that he's been a liability. I think he could actually play more minutes than Sullivan plays him. But at the same time, I think we've also gotten to the point where I don't think we need to play Ryan Reeves against uh, Carolina, as you saw the other night, or against uh, a very skilled team like Detroit or Tampa Bay that doesn't have that uh, guy that could possibly go out there like Columbus and you know take out Evgeny Malkin's knee or you know something like that. So again, you know, even against Minnesota tonight, there, there, there's nobody on Minnesota's team that's going to go out there and, you know, want to fight or anything like that. I mean, obviously, yes, teams do get in fights that don't have a goon on their team, but I think it's almost time now to selectively play Ryan Reeves. And again, no knock on Ryan Reeves, but I, I just don't think that I think that Rust is more useful. In in that fourth line role than Reeves is, unless you're playing the Flyers, Blue Jackets, Ducks, teams like that. That's a good point. Spot stardom, if yeah. you will. And he's great for the clubhouse. I mean, he's yeah. great to have around. Everyone loves him. He seems like a great guy. I, I always feel bad because I, 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 it's not a personal thing. It's just the Penguins are struggling five on five. They have the ability now more than they have recently, at least this season, based on the injuries and just the roster construction itself, to actually have four scoring lines. Why not go for that as much as possible? It is the Crowley Show, which, of course, you can hear on ESPN Pittsburgh, ESPNPGH.com, and the iHeartRadio app. My man Vince Cominal of the Fischler Report and the Point of Pittsburgh, longtime Pittsburgh hockey writer, joining me here until 6 o'clock on the show. We are, of course, a big-time radio show, and we are syndicated not only here in Pittsburgh, we're also on the air in Wheeling. Richard, Mr. Richard calls us from Wheeling. Hello, Mr. Richard. Hello, hello. Hello, hello. I hear I heard your guest there talking about uh Casey DeSmith. Mr. Richard, are you okay? Mr. Richard, are you okay? Oh no. Mr. Richard I am a little bit worried about Mr. Richard now. I called nine one one twice this weekend. For those of you who have followed along in the show, do we need to make sure Mr. Richard's okay here? Joe, we're going to put him on hold, see if he's alive, see if he'll call back. Mr. Richard, if you are alive, call back 412-922-2874. Tweet me, at underscore Adam Crowley. Did you see what I did there? I fell into my own trap. I always give the number out and then my phone and then my Twitter account. I did that there. 
Mr. Richard, if you are alive, call back 412-922-2874. Up next, line combinations aren't sexy. They're important. But we're not talking about that. It's the Crowley Show. Mark Caboli tweets out, still on the fence? Try the Athletic Free for a week to see if you enjoy the in-depth Pittsburgh and national sports coverage. Here's the link. Huh. Vince Commonal of the Fischler Report and the Point of Pittsburgh longtime Pittsburgh writer, hockey writer, joins me here on the Crowley Show. Uh, Vince, I do want to discuss the Penguins and the run they're on and why they've won 7 of 10. What's better about them? Before we do get to that, though, you mentioned during the break, Vegas? Holy crap. They just beat Tampa. Yeah. Tampa, to me, was the best team in hockey. Vegas, break up the Knights? It's it's amazing how good they are. I, I, I try to watch a lot of their games. I usually stay up watching hockey till 1 in the morning. I, I have a problem. Yeah, you do. You're sick. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, they... They were, they were losing to Columbus the other night. All of a sudden, within like two minutes, they score three goals. They're winning the game. Uh, I mean, Mark Andre Fleury is giving up like less than two goals a game since he's come back from injury. Um, I mean, he has a real shot at winning the Vezina Trophy. Like a 940 save percentage. Yeah, it's unbelievable. I mean, they they have the best home record in the league by far. Um, and the thing about them that that is scary is they roll four lines. You know they're they're not top heavy. I mean, you know they've got Marcheseau, James Neal, uh, Perron to a lesser extent, uh, Carlson, who was playing on fourth line for Columbus, is now all of a sudden playing on the first line. That guy's insane. It's it's unbelievable. But that's the thing: to win in the playoffs, you you have to be a solid team from first line to fourth line, and that's the way they're playing right now. They're rolling four lines, and they're just. They just show no signs of slowing down. And like I said, I've watched a ton of their games, and they really do look like the best team in the West. And they just beat the best team in the East and beat they the did. best team in the East twice this year, actually. Yeah, so it can't be talent, right? I mean, it's not like they don't have talent. They do. I mean, they've been set up to succeed better than any expansion mm-hmm. team ever. But to me, it's they play hard. Their home ice advantage is it's unbelievable incredible it's a tough building to go into and play but of course it's vegas as well so you have to go out to the west if you're an eastern team and then of course it's vegas i mean people are going to go out and they're going to they're going to enjoy the strip they're going to have some fun i would imagine that that might change a little bit in the playoffs but th- they could win the number one overall seed in the west and they have to be the favorite at that at this point yeah i mean they're i think they're one point out of winning the president's trophy right now it's unbelievable and they just play a a, a hard style and then they they have Mark Andre Fleury back there, and you know we've seen what Mark Andre Fleury could do for a team. Seems and, like he's having you know, fun. Yeah, not he, that he ever doesn't. I but. mean, he always looks like he's having fun, but it seems like he's particularly enjoying this because nobody ever expected this team to to even take, get a sniff of the playoffs, let alone be in contention for the President's Trophy and the number one overall seed. So I mean, at this point, it's a lock that they're going to be a playoff team, if nothing else and probably the number one or number two seed in the West, and they're just a fun team to watch. And it's not like 
you know, when New Jersey was winning those Stanley Cups, and it's like, oh, nobody wants to watch them. They are a really fun team to watch. Oh, they're great to watch. I mean, they, they're really good for hockey. Yeah. They are. Uh, they're a team that I think everyone can root for. And the Penguins don't live up to the expectations that they've set for themselves and that everyone seems to have for them. That's a team that you can easily root for, not only for Marc-Andre Fleury either, uh, because they are a team that's easy to cheer for, fun to watch, and it's a good product. Just keeping with the Western Conference theme, we'll get back to the Penguins here in a second. Chicago? Boy. They don't look good. I, I watched their game last night. I don't know if they're making it, man. I don't think they're making it. I don't think Edmonton's getting in. Uh, and it's it's really shocking. Ed, Edmonton, Edmonton. Yeah, they're a whole other story. I mean, they are 12 point, 13 point, 12 points back. Bad math uh, from a West Virginia guy. They ain't making it. Uh, Chicago? Uh-uh. Yeah. I mean, Edmonton lost at home. Five nothing to Buffalo the other night. That tells you all you need to know about their season. They're done. They're going to be trading. Uh, they're going to be selling at the trade deadline and probably selling in the off season and buying out some contracts in the off season as well. Uh, yeah, Chicago. They just uh, for whatever reason the the talent that they have is not meshing this year. Um, you know, Crawford's been hurt. They they've had to go to you know a few backup goalies. Uh, that maybe they're missing Darling. You know, they let him go to Carolina. Um, they've brought they brought Sod back in. He's he's doing okay, but he's not playing like he was in his first go around with Chicago. And uh, they're uh, they're in Detroit tonight, I think. And they played last night. Um, they could lose, easily lose that game too. They've lost four in a row. Um, they, they're just—they uh, don't look like a good team. Right? They—they're a far cry from that team that put up ten on the Penguins earlier in the season. No kidding. And I think Chicago made some mistakes this off season, in that they kind of went back to the future. Yeah. And the Penguins—they fell into that trap not too too long ago. Not necessarily with bringing in guys who had been previous Penguins, but they brought in guys that were older, that were veterans, yeah. and they said, "Okay, we're putting you in our bottom six. We all know the names that come to mind: Moro, uh, Aginla. Let's, let's shoehorn these guys in. Mm-hmm. And Chicago, in lieu of bringing in those type of veterans, they brought in veterans that they already know. They get rid of a Panarin, and all of a sudden, bah, 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 they're not playing good hockey anymore. Uh, they kind of flip flop with the Penguins, yes. Yes. Uh, in that, they were all great franchises, ability for dynasty. They've kind. Of, I think Chicago needs to take a page out of the Penguins book, and the Penguins kind of did what Chicago was doing, which was supplementing with the youth. Yeah, the the Blackhawks right now remind me of the, like, 2012-2013 Penguins. They they, yes. they they need to find an identity. They need to find, you know, the Penguins eventually found that their identity is going to be speed. They're going to play a speed game. And, of course, the Penguins got incredible goaltending and got lucky with Matt Murray and all those things. And, you know, they brought they brought in the youth, and that really helped them. I think that the Blackhawks are in that at that point right now. They really need to figure out their identity. Are they going to kind of fill out their bottom six with youth? Uh, you know, Nick Schmaltz is a great player for them right now. Um, I, th- I think he's actually at or near the top of the, uh, scoring for them right now. Um, but some of their, like Seabrook, he's getting a little bit older on D. Um, Sharp, I, you know, I think that he was kind of trending downward with Dallas last year, and I think that the downward trend has continued with Chicago this year. So I think they're a team in transition. I think that, you know, you'll see them kind of figure some things out, and they'll be back in the playoff picture next year. But I don't I don't really see them making the playoffs this year. Vince Commonal, Fischler Report, point of Pittsburgh, longtime Penguins hockey writer, uh, joining me here on the Crowley Show. Let's flip back to the Penguins here for a few minutes. We're going to hear from Keith Dambron, the head coach of Duquesne. I've got a point to make 
on that as well at the top of the hour. He joins Dan Saverin on Saverin on Sports earlier on in the day. Vince, the Penguins have won 7 out of 10. If, I, if you had to pinpoint it down to three reasons or so, what do you got? Well, I mean, the whole season, what is keeping the Penguins afloat is the power play. I mean, they're they're not just good. They're essentially historically no, good. Not to interrupt, and I'm bad at that, but that scary a little bit for the playoffs? It is because, you know, teams really, you know, kind of batten down in the playoffs. They really start paying attention to penalty kill and, and the refs know, and the refs of course stop stop calling penalties, penalties. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately that's just a fact of life in the playoff hockey in the nhl um the penalty kill has been great the last seven games well more than the last seven games but it's been particularly good in the last seven games uh again the power play and i think you've seen in the last seven games or at least the last five games consistent lines other than switching out russ for reeves it's pretty much been the same first line, same second line, same third line, same fourth line. Uh, I, you know, Sprong was out. They've got Simone up there. They've got Cherry up there. They've got Haglin with Kessel and Malkin. Or I'm sorry, with Malkin and Haglin. And the third line's the same. The fourth line's the same, other than changing out Reeves for Rust. And I think that that consistency really helps with winning games. I, I you know, you you know who you're going over the boards with every shift you're going out there and earlier in the season that wasn't the case at all it was literally changing shift by shift who was going out there Crosby didn't know who his line mates were from one shift to the next and I think that consistency has really helped them uh, kind of get on a little bit of a roll here I think so too Crosby's been unbelievable yeah. uh, I think that goes into that he has there, the longest point streak in the NHL right now right if I had to get an answer from you in, in the deed of your house <laughs> rides on this who's more likely to win the scoring title Sidney Crosby or Phil Kessel oh that's a good that's a good question I I I would probably say Kessel actually because Kessel shoots the puck more Crosby I I mean I know it's total points but I Kessel shoots the puck more and he's more of a finisher Crosby's trying to feed Dominic Simone and Connor Sherry and they're not finishers Uh, maybe eventually that well runs dry yeah I I think that that's it I mean not (laughs) Not that it wouldn't be uh, a heck of a run to the finish to see who who gets there, but I think actually at this point Kessel will because he's just so dominant on the power play too. You know what, and that's why I was going to say Crosby because I think the power plays are going to start to dry up as well, but that's a really good point. Kessel, he's he's a great playmaker. I'm not going to kid, we're not going to kid ourselves here, but he is a finisher and you control your own point production from that standpoint whereas Sidney Crosby I mean he he would need to benefit from others putting the puck in the net that's a really good point by you I think the the moral of the story here is that both players are playing very well Kessel's been consistent all season long Mm -hmm. Sidney Crosby is now playing like the best player in the league again it's just scary for other teams around the league. And, and Malkin, if you look at him, he's got a higher points-per-game average than I think both of them. Yeah. I, I will say this, though. Kessel on the third line is also feeding guys like uh, Riley Shahan, who aren't finishing either. I think I think eventually you got to get Kessel and Malkin back together. I, I know that Sullivan loves separating Crosby, Malkin, and Kessel. But the team that the Penguins had in 2016 – is not the team that the Penguins have right now. No. And I think that Kessel and Malkin together is your best lineup. And I think that you saw that earlier in the year. I mean, those two were unbelievable. And you see it 
in three-on-three overtime, that's one of the first lines to go out there, Malkin and Kessel together. And we saw them score a couple game-winning goals in overtime this year already. So I I think eventually I'd like to see them back together. But uh, we've seen Coach Sullivan. He could be stubborn sometimes in his his ways. And it's hard to argue with his results. But, um, you know, I, I would like to see those two back together. Yeah, I don't disagree with anything you said. I think you kind of need Kessel in the third line to, at now, right now, mm-hmm. to to allow that line to be a scoring line. Although Gensel certainly helps in that regard, too. Yes. When they add that third line center, I'm okay with it. If they get a guy with some scoring punch, I'm okay with it. For now, I disagree with that point and that point only, where I'm okay with it. I, I love them together, yeah. but I think the Penguins roster is flawed enough that I don't mind them spreading it out. Although, again, if you put Russ on the fourth line, then, then you're, you kind of trickle the scoring down that way as well. So they have a lot of talent. Yes. They're, they're finally playing up to that talent level. They do have flaws, but trade deadline is ever approaching, my friend. Vince, thanks for the time, buddy. Anytime. We say we do it again soon. Anytime, yeah. I, I, I like doing the whole hour, so anytime you want me. My man. Well, checks in the mail. All right. <laughs> That's my buddy, Vince Cominal, Fischler Report. Check him out. Point of Pittsburgh as well. Been around for a long time because he's old. He's old as all get out, but he knows his stuff. Uh, big-time hockey nerd. Uh, 350 drafts, by the way, uh, of Bud Light here at the Terrace on 5th. Come on by. $4 for an aluminum pint. Coming up next, we flip the script to something I can't believe we're talking about at this time of the year. It's the Duquesne Dukes basketball team. Keith Danbron is a hell of an interview. Interesting guy. Stan had him on earlier in the day. I want you to hear him, and then I've got something to say when it comes to spurts here at Pittsburgh. It's a Crowley show.